Support for today's episode comes from Hexclad. I hosted the Jane's Beard Awards um, twice, actually. I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling the truth. And Hexclad is the official cookware of the James Beard Foundation. So I was so happy to hear there are Dinners on Me sponsors. Hexclad has revolutionized the cookware industry with an all-in-one hybrid pan that gives you the convenience and cleanup of nonstick, the versatility of your grandma's cast iron, and the durability to last a lifetime. Whether you want to make that perfect steak dinner on date night or ditch that greasy pan from your college apartment, Hexclad has you covered. James Beard celebrates incredible chefs annually with their prestigious awards that I have had the privilege of handing out. Again, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. And it's no surprise that Hexclad is their official cookware. They are a chef's dream and I, I just, I love cooking with them. I feel so professional when I do. Hexclad also has a lifetime warranty. These are literally the last set of pots and pans you will ever have to buy. Trust me when I say your partner, your family, and all your dinner guests will thank you. So, Chef, now is the time to upgrade that kitchen. For a limited time only, our listeners get 10% off their order with an exclusive link. Just head to hexclad.com slash JTF. Support our show and check them out at hexclad.com forward slash JTF. Bon appetit. Let's eat with Hexclad's revolutionary cookware. It sounds a little weird, but being the host of a show like Dinners on Me, where you eat out all the time, can be a little stressful on the body. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a little sluggish and I wanted to make sure I was getting the daily nutrients that I needed. Since drinking AG1 daily, I feel a real difference with my energy levels and my ability to focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because it's formulated based on the latest science and maintains high-quality standards. Even Justin has started drinking AG1, and he tells me that it really helps his energy level, helps with stress, helps his gut health, all that good stuff. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner to the Dinners on Me podcast. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash dinner. That's drinkag1.com slash dinner. Check it out. Hi, it's Jessie. Today on the show, you might know her from This Is Us, Dr. Death, or I don't know, maybe her 1999 hit single, Candy. It's Mandy Moore. Being on tour with NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys and playing these like gigantic arenas of 20,000 people and glow sticks and girls screaming and... I think I'd be so much more nervous now. This is Dinners on Me, and I'm your host, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Mandy Moore is one of those multi-hyphenate unicorns, not in the fact that she's able to do so many things, but that she does them all seemingly so well. I mean, she has this incredible singing career, and if you ask me an even more impressive acting resume, she's truly one of those crossover sensations that has continued to just surprise our fans. 
Now, something I knew I wouldn't be surprised by was how down-to-earth she was. I mean, this is just a reputation that has always preceded her. We have many mutual friends and colleagues in common, but I don't think we've actually ever met in person before, so I was so happy to finally rectify that. And I had so many questions I was dying to ask her. So good to see good you. Good to see you too. Wow, I love your cool crocheted sweater. I know. So I heard Mandy is a bit of a foodie, so I thought that I would bring her someplace that I've been dying to try myself, Bar Shalou in Pasadena. It's such a beautiful space. Green tiled walls, romantic drapery, quirky, stunning flower arrangements. It's giving Paris, it's giving Barcelona, but tucked next to the Pasadena Playhouse. Now, if you don't know Chef Doug Rankin by name, you've surely tried some of his delicious food. Before Bar Chalou, he ran Bar Restaurant in Silver Lake, which sadly closed in 2022. And before that, he worked alongside Chef Ludo at Trois Mec. Chef Doug prepared an amazing meal for us, and I cannot wait for us to dig in. Um, I, so I have to be honest, I'd never, I had never seen a walk to remember. Oh. And so Justin was like, wait, You've never, you've never seen this. I was like, no, I just never watched it. So we watched it together oh, two God. nights ago. Oh gosh! And Jesse, I know, but it's it's sort of you know what I feel like. It's sort of like I was given an old photo album of you, and I just like had free reign to it because you were so <laughs> I young. Was so young, yeah. You were so young. I turned seventeen. Yeah. At the beginning of that movie, yeah. That's I know. so crazy. It's pretty wild. Have you revisited it? I haven't watched it in years and years. Yeah. It just had its like 20th anniversary yes. a few years ago. So so that sort of brought it right. back in the zeitgeist again. But it's a strange thing to be a part of. I mean, you're well aware. To be yeah. a part of something that people connect to so fervently and still, yes. it's like, I feel like each generation of a certain age, like discovers that movie and like yeah. calls it their own yeah, and yeah, yeah. feels really attached to it. Well, it's Justin kind. was like, I mean, he hadn't seen it in a while. Yeah. And he was just like reliving it. brought him all, back. It brought him yeah. back to exactly at that yeah, age. Because he's your age. Yeah. And it just really meant a lot to him. That's and so kind. Yeah. That's so sweet. I love was, that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm mortified, but thank but you. But no, but when I told people I was sitting down with you, that's like, you know, that's a thing that you are very known for. I mean, obviously many things now. Um, like, I think, you know, with your work on, on This Is Us. Um, but that is such a, you know, iconic moment in your career. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I'm so Hi. mortified. Hi. This is Clementine. Yes. We've been Here, I'm going to move this just so you, whatever you're saying is being captured somewhat. Joanna, help me. Oh, oh no. Down goes the cream. Down goes the cream. I know I needed a pre-interview coffee. Oh, um, I get it. It's okay. It's just spilled milk. <laughs> don't, don't cry over spilled half and half. Appreciate it. This is so cool, guys. We feel very special. Yeah, I know. Like right? getting special. to have the whole restaurant to ourselves. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to get you some water. Yes. Oh, that'd be Do great. You want bottle sparkling or filter tap? Filter tap's fine. That's fine with me, too. Thank you. Do you have lemonade by chance? We do. I'll take a lemonade, too. Would you like Oh, lemonade? sure. Two lemonades? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. So, yeah, we both have something in common that we're yes. both part of these very sort of. I feel iconic family yeah. television shows. Yes. I know how I felt when Modern Family ended. How did you feel? I mean, it, it, it did feel like I was ending a very important chapter of my life. Sure. And, you know, we also finished right before the pandemic, but then the whole world shut down. So, like, I didn't have a lot of closure with my cast. Like, we didn't see each other. And we were these 
big interviews with, you know, like Jimmy Kimmel and, and like all remotely, but all remotely. Um, and that was, that was really hard. I've since actually had a few of my cast members on this podcast. And like one of the one things I, I ask all of them is like, we, we haven't really ever talked about like what it was like to come to an end. Like, yeah. And, yeah. And like processing it by yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really a bummer, you know? It is. Um, what was it like for you to end, uh, your show? Um, I, I wonder if you feel similarly, like it was bittersweet. I felt like it was the perfect time to sort of tie things up and our our creator and showrunner had always sort of envisioned the show lasting this amount of seasons. How many seasons did it Six. run? Six. Yeah. And so we, the way that they wrote the show and it all sort of had to culminate a certain way and it had to like, because our show jumps around in time. So it, there was no way to sort of really extend it. So I love that it didn't feel like it, it like stayed past its welcome in that sense. Right, right, right. And yeah. But so I I felt bittersweet, like it was a job I love so much, I, I felt like I could have continued it for, you know, it, yeah. it infinitely, but but I'm glad that it ended how it ended and when it ended. And it also was just strange in the sense that, you know, when things are coming to an end, everyone's already starting to disperse and go on to their other things. Yeah. So it, it I thought it was gonna feel as sort of like, celebratory that we would do it together and like by the end it was like nope everyone's kind of just like yeah. petered off and gone their own ways yeah. and you're left kind of like oh okay this is it all right yeah. um bye yeah. yeah i mean it's it's, it's, it's heartbreaking and you know that role was such a departure from things that you had been sure. given the opportunity to do yeah i mean to play you know someone through so many stages of their life sure and you're you know you're a, a uh, Almost what I consider 40? a very young person oh, yeah. still, but like just a young lady, you are. But like to, you know, then I have to like sort of embody an age that you don't really have, have any, any familiarity with. Yeah. Like, what was that like? Really daunting at first. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it it was just the opportunity of a lifetime in every sense. Like just someone seeing that in you, seeing something in you that you probably didn't even see in yourself. Yeah. But yeah, I remember doing the pilot for the show and the pilot, like in the middle of, you know, shooting it, the creator, Dan Fogelman, like coming to set and trying to tell Milo and I like, this is sort of what I see the plans for the show and it's gonna jump around in time. I'm like, but but, but I, I, I don't wanna hear anything because mm. I've been a part of like four failed pilot seasons where like things didn't move forward right. and I just can't like be crushed again. So oh, I'm just, yeah. I'm treating this as a, as a job like one time only and then, Got it. you know, we'll figure out moving forward. Like if it does move forward, great. Then I want to hear all the details, but otherwise like, let's just. When did you sort of relax into it and feel like, okay, this is, I mean, it was a kind of an overnight hit. Well, it got picked up and mm -hmm. um, when we got that second script and I realized that it jumped in time, like yes. forward eight years or something and that, I would also be playing the same character like in her mid 60s. Yeah. I was like, uh, what? I'm <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're gonna go through all these hair and makeup tests, all these like prosthetic tests. And if one person doesn't buy it, you know, from the executive producers and the studio and all of that, then we're gonna cast someone, an older actress to play the character. And I was like, great. So I'm sitting there going like, secretly feeling like maybe just, maybe Sally Field is like oh, the better, wow. you know what I, I mean? Like in that. my mind, I'm thinking someone has gotta probably step up to the plate. But we went through like four different rounds of hair and makeup and eventually they were like, we nailed it. And no, it's great. And yeah. I was like, um, and I remember my first scene on camera was with 
the great Ron Cephas Jones that we love and miss so much. Rest but in peace, yeah. Um, and I was like, who, who is not as old as the character he was playing, but is at least 20 Closer. years older than Closer. me? And I was like, Jesus, what? Like, I have to, obviously, I have to be on screen with this, like, legend, but also, like, playing his equal. It was terrifying, but, you know, 108 episodes later. Did you audition for it, or was it Oh, yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, no, no. I auditioned, and... Um, I remember I auditioned very early on in the process and I didn't hear anything for like six weeks. And you know, as an actor, you're sort of like, all right, yeah. I'm going to brush that off and forget about it and move on and to the next thing. And you were saying you had come off of some failed projects. So, so many failed projects. I was in the middle of a divorce. It was mm -hmm. like life was um, just not firing on all right, cylinders. Right. And I was like, well, uh, maybe this will work out. Maybe it won't. And, and six weeks later, they came back and said, okay, we have like a handful of women that we want to screen test with like a handful of guys. And it just makes me so nervous to be put on the spot. I, like I hate auditioning yes. in general, but then you're going and sitting in a room with like a couple of other women that you're up against yeah. and then some other guys. And I, I just remember going into it, um, hearing that they loved Milo and Milo was the guy that they were really gunning for. So I went in and who I played only, who played my yeah. husband, sorry. And I, I went in and just read with him and they were like, thanks. That's that. And I was like, oh, they're not going to make me read with anyone else. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. Yeah. And then it all ended up working out, but yeah. oh, those things just yeah. like, it's like taking a standardized test or something. Yeah. It just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Well, it's it. like, I, you know, it's so funny because I think people don't fully understand like what a network test is and it's the most, um, it's so archaic. It's totally archaic. <laughs> yeah, it feels like you're kind of entering a ring and they're just like... Dance for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, put on yeah. a show for us. Or like that they're going to like open the gate and a tiger's going to come out and like maul you. It's just totally. like, it's it's really terrifying. It's so and terrifying. They also, um, but I, I, people are always interested to hear this, but like they make you sign your contract. Mm hmm before you go in, yep. so like all the the, the business stuff business is handled. stuff is handled. So like they know that if they're going to move forward with you, that's all done. Like yep. they don't have to then start negotiating a contract and then it has Correct. to all fall through. Yep. So they do all that stuff beforehand. You see the amount of money you might be making. You see the amount of episodes. You like you look at the like the time commitment, which is usually up to seven years. And yeah. it's like you sign this thing, and then after you sign this document, someone from, you know, human resources takes it away yeah. and then you have to switch gears and be like, okay, now I'm in my acting mode. Yeah, now I'm back in creative, creative brain. mode. It's and like weird. you go in and like, maybe you read with another actor who's up for the part or maybe you don't, but like, then you're sitting in a dark room with these suits and these people who are we're in charge of these networks now. and they're all judging this thing. It's, it's the most bizarre afternoon yeah. I have ever experienced was, was testing for a TV show. Same. Yeah. It's awful. I'm like, oh, I would give anything not to do that. <laughs> I know, right? Hi. Hi. I'm Doug. This is Doug. Hi, Doug. I'm the chef. Welcome. <gasps> Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, we put together a menu that's just like some of our greatest hits. Oh. And we're just going to run through all of it kind of with you, like course by course. Um, but we, there's plenty of food coming out. And if, uh, you guys, if there's too much, just tell me. We'll okay. No, please. <laughs> never too much. <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, Thank you. Absolutely. Um, okay, so for friends of mine who are, are people I know who have had great success at an early age, I always think back to like what I was doing at the age of 15 yeah. or 16. And I kind of just, I can't, I can't fathom how you navigated <laughs> childhood under such a spotlight and a microscope. Yeah. 
um, especially starting off as a pop star. Sure. Um, I find it fascinating. I need a little bit more clarity because I, I read that a demo was maybe slipped to someone from a FedEx guy. Yeah. Explain that to I me. I know, it's so weird. So I grew up in Orlando. I grew up doing theater. I also grew up singing the national anthem a lot, which is <laughs> now sounds like truly the most bizarre concept. But I remember I was at an Orlando Magic you were like Game. A, so how I, old were you at this point? I was, um, I think, 12, 13. Wow. And for the the ice hockey game, I remember I was like walking off the ice over to like the penalty box where my dad was like sitting waiting for me, and these two gentlemen like beckoned me over, which in hindsight feels really creepy, but I was yeah. there with my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, that was fantastic. Have you ever thought about like singing professionally, like being a recording artist, recording a demo? And this was like pre-Britney Spears. Right. So it wasn't like that was a thing happening in like pop culture sure. anyway. And these guys were like, well, we work at a studio. We're like a writing producing team. And if you want to like pay for studio time, we have some original songs that we've written and we'd love to like wow. work with you, partner up with you. And my parents, we like went home and discussed it. And I had done some like local commercials. They're like, if you want to spend some of this money and do it over your summer vacation, like going into freshman year of high school, by all means, you can do it. So I did. So I'm in the studio recording these demos. I'd never been in a studio before, so it was a very jarring experience. Like hearing yourself and headphones, like all of it was very intimidating. But I was in the midst of recording this demo probably for like four or five days when a guy who was delivering boxes to the studio heard me sing and had like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend that worked at Epic Records in New York. And he somehow like, without my consultation, but talking to my parents and these two producer guys, like sent this unfinished demo to this guy at Epic Records who somehow heard something he liked. I, wait, it's wait, wait, hard. the FedEx guy? Yes, since the, the, like became he, a like quasi talent scout. That's and so sent crazy. This, like, and I guess like fancied himself a talent scout and like sent this demo off. and it, Unfinished. Yeah, unfinished <laughs> to this guy who had signed the Backstreet Boys at okay. Jive Records and then had moved over to Epic Records. He heard something he liked enough to fly down to Orlando and like take a meeting with me. Wow. And I sang a I sang Happily Ever After from Once Upon a Mattress. I that was that. my audition song. <laughs> oh my God. Like nothing remotely resembling like anything that would be radio friendly or pop friendly. Fantastic. Oh my God. I was such a dork. And um and this guy heard something he liked and signed me, and that was that was it. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, we'll dig into the Princess Diaries, pre-show panic attacks, and so much more. Okay, be right back. Don't you just love it when someone looks at you and says, hmm, something's different about you. What were you up to last night? Well, no matter how late you were up the night before, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops can help your eyes look more refreshed and awake than ever. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute to help your eyes look brighter and wider for up to eight hours. No wonder it has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. You won't believe your eyes, and you know you can trust them because they're made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Loam, and they're backed by six clinical studies. Eye doctors trust them too. They're the number one recommended redness reliever eye drop. The one and only Lumify is an amazing drop that will have people saying, something's different about you, but in the best possible way. 
So check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. It sounds a little weird, but being the host of a show like Dinners on Me, where you eat out all the time, can be a little stressful on the body. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling a little sluggish and I wanted to make sure I was getting the daily nutrients that I needed. Since drinking AG1 daily, I feel real difference with my energy levels and my ability to focus. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes rhodiola and B vitamins for an energy boost. I just sort of added it to my morning routine. You know, you brush my teeth, I floss, I have my AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packets with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash dinner. That's drinkag1.com slash dinner. Check it out. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. Okay, what are we looking at? Oh my gosh. This is... This is a, our clam toast. So it has a ton of pan de cristal, which is bread that we get flown in from Spain. Oh. It's super light and crispy. And then on the top is some melted leeks. Mm. And then on top of that is clam escabeche, which is like basically like pickled clams. And then uh, this is our crispy potatoes. It's probably the most popular thing on the menu. Mm. Um, aioli and aonori is seasoned on there. And there's a little bit of spicy uh, shishimi takarashi on there too. But check it out. Thank you. Check it out. Um, Sorry. Looks so good. It looks so good. I'm not doing a great job of, of dividing it. Want a bite? Oh my god, this looks so good. I mean, guys. Mm. Oh wow. Those are amazing. Oh my god. I could eat that every. What do you say this was potatoes? Yeah. Oh wow, they're so soft. They're ch- wow, this is it's like mountain your mouth. Um, mm. Oh my god. During... So you did this, you did the demo. On in your the summer, summer like going into year. into freshman year. And then half with your freshman year, you were signing. And I left like around the holiday break and started immediately making a record in Orlando because they had like, remember that whole Lou Pearlman, the crazy like, mm-hmm. b- yeah, Ponzi scheme boy band. He had this incredible like recording complex in Orlando. So I got to make most of my record like in in town, right. which was great. I would say by May of that year of, of 1999, I came out here to make my music video for my first single, which was called Candy. And then I flew immediately back to the East Coast to open up for NSYNC and start like there. They were doing like a summer. And at that time, they were. They were NSYNC. There was huge. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. Yeah. And I I was opening up for them. And I assume you were a fan. Well, if you're a a huge fan. No, no. But but then, I mean, that was unavoidable. (laughs) Yes. I remember like getting. Oh my God. Getting ready to like go to school in the morning and like getting dressed and having MTV on and watching Mm -hmm. them. And then six months later, I was. It was like once upon a mattress, then insane. Yeah, Yeah. totally. In that order. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's got to be wild. It was wild. Yeah. Shortly after that is when, you know, you did another big thing, which is 
Um, well, I know you did the Princess Diaries oh, as yeah. well. <laughs> which, 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 How I, do you I, know all of this off the top of your head? I'm just, I, I'm interested in you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you are very studied in all of your subjects. Well, I do want to take a, like a little sidebar and just like yeah. t- talk about Julie Andrews oh. for a moment. So, okay, you are 16, 15 at yeah, the time that 16, you did this? Yeah, 16, yeah, yeah. Having a, a big moment just as a, as a, as a singer. Ish. Yeah, I think it's big a pretty ish, big moment. Big-ish, 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 yeah. Candy was pretty, a pretty big deal. Yes, but I mean, like, I would say comparatively to, like, you know, other people that were out there sure, in the world doing that. Sure, you had Britney Spears, Christina sure, sure, Aguilera, exactly. Jessica Simpson, but yes. you were part of that conversation. Sure, sure. I think so. Sure. How I remember I was, it. like, the little <laughs> annoying baby sister or something, okay. you know? <laughs> Just baby sister. I don't know about Fine. annoying. Okay, Fine. okay, okay. okay. <laughs> But so then you have um, this other opportunity. It's a major acting job. Yeah. And one of your co-stars is going to be Mary Poppins herself. Sure. Julie Andrews. Yeah. It was... Break that down for me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, I was probably just as excited about working with Gary Marshall because Mm -hmm. I am a gigantic Bette Midler fan and Beaches was my Bible. Which you were is, a fan of beaches at I that loved, time. I loved, yes. Yes, which oh my God, you so, were such a mature kid. I'm like, I just want to put it on and cry. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> um, movie. I, so yes, I was very excited about like getting to be in both of their orbits, but she was, uh, just, she is everything. I, I couldn't believe the good fortune of being in her, like, yes, around her, spending time with her. Did I didn't you, have, like, really many right. opportunities to, like, work with her, per se, but yes. I mean, I've gotten to work with a, a, a few different people that I've just idolized, yeah. and I yeah. try to I try to breathe through the situation and act yes. normal, but at yes. the same time, I want to connect with them, and it's like, when am I ever going to get this opportunity again? Totally. Did you have the foresight at that age to be like, okay, this is Julie Andrews, this is a really big deal, I'm going to try and... Or were you just like, I'm just going to sit here and speak when spoken to? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm so shy and such yeah. a like introvert that I I was definitely not asserting myself to yeah. like get in there and like trade stories or. Sure. But I was. It's also your first film. Totally. Yeah. I w- in hindsight, yes, I wish I had like really recognized how precious that moment was mm-hmm. and that whole experience was. I just, I. I think like everything happened so quickly at that age and it was all so new that it was enough just to like kind of keep my head above water Mm -hmm. and not feel so overwhelmed by everything. And I look back going, wow, like good job, little Mandy. Like you managed to make it through because now if I were put in that position, I think I'd be way more nervous. Do you think? Oh yeah, I'd be way more freaked out. I could probably hide it a little better, but, um, but I, I, yeah, I think, I think back to like being on tour with NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys and playing these like gigantic arenas of 20,000 people and glow sticks and Mm. girls screaming. And I think I'd be so much more nervous now that I, I was so calm and collected and not like, not like laissez faire about it, but I, I was just sort of like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm just going to get out there with my microphone and like sing and do my thing and now I would be like I need 50 beta blockers and right, like right. I'm gonna poop my right. pants well because like, we've learned to, that the, that yes. is a situation to the be stakes, scared of exactly. I mean, we're the all stakes braver as children yeah. I know I was yeah, like I, totally. the, the amount of stage fright I have now is way more intense than stuff than I felt when I was a kid how do you how do you overcome that like I know you just won a Tony um, <laughs> how do you overcome that like being on stage and doing eight shows a week I'm just curious because um, that's a, a dream of mine one day But well I, I mean I, I feel most at home on stage, yeah. but there is that 
that moment between the wings and stepping onto stage where I have a little tiny itty bitty panic attack every every night. Every night. Every night. And it goes away the minute I start talking. Um, but it is that, that there is a moment of fear. But I also feel that that, that tiny little itty bitty panic attack is why I do it. Because it's like that adrenaline rush of doing yeah. something that feels so impossible. Yeah. And getting through it and coming out on the other side of it. And it doesn't go away. You feel that everything. It kind of doesn't go away. Even yeah. with, you know, all the years that I've, I've been working. And then yeah. even after winning, you know, what Awards. is considered to be like the highest award in that, that field. Like I still feel felt sometimes even more so because I had won that thing and like, okay, now people, I have to prove to people why, which is an interesting thing that I didn't realize would happen. Sure. Wait, I'm going to try this clam toast. Was it so good? Do it. Mm. The pastry is so airy and delicious. These potatoes are incredible. Truly. I mean. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I'm, this is what I'm fascinated with of your early part of your career. First of all, the fact that you have a career in ninth grade. That's, cr- <laughs> that's crazy. Like, it's that's weird. just not something most ninth graders have. It's something that they call a career. <laughs> sure. But then to have not only one thing that you're doing, but this other thing that you are being given great opportunity in. And, like, there's these two, like, yeah. simultaneously trained. These trains are running at the same time. This music sure. career and this film career. And A Walk to Remember, I know I started off this conversation talking about it, but, like, <laughs> that was a huge responsibility that you were handed. It was. Huge. Yeah. Adam Shankman is a friend of mine oh, who directed God, it. So I, I, I did. I was like, deeply. are there any anecdotes from that time with, with Mandy? <laughs> he just said, you know, like, he just he finds it fascinating that you and Shane are so known for these two roles. And you will yeah, always be known for these roles. Always. And I did do a little dive and I was like, I wonder if she's still friends with Shane. And I saw some recent photos of the two of you together. Yeah. What does that relationship mean to you? I mean, I honestly, we haven't seen each other in a bit. We saw each other like right, was it right before the pandemic? It's been a minute. Yeah. And he lives in, I think in Nashville now. Mm-hmm. So I, he was gonna, I was on tour like a year and change ago and he was right. gonna come on um, and see me and then he ended up being out of town. But but we still like reach out to each other That's every great. now and then. It's like, I, I know that he'll always be there for me. I'll be there for him. That's Yeah, he's a amazing. sweetheart. Did you feel when, when you were doing kind of juggling these two careers at such a young age, did you ever feel like a a pressure to like stay in a lane or focus on one or the other or, because you were doing something that was not a lot of people were doing. I mean, like think about the other pop stars that we talked about. They weren't doing films as well. And a lot of people that were contemporaries of yours who were doing films weren't doing a pop careers. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I, I think I felt really lucky that, and I've said this ad nauseum, but like, because I didn't have an incredible amount of success with music like Britney or Christina, I think they both had a harder time breaking into doing like film stuff because it was so hard for people to see them as anybody other than themselves. And I think because I didn't have that same amount of success, I was allowed to like slip into a character like Jamie from A Walk right. to Remember and people would believably go, oh yeah, I, I who is that again? And. I feel like because of that and because A Walk to Remember found some bit of success, but it kind of got the ball rolling on the acting side, that that became like more of my career, the thing that I concentrated on, whereas like music sort of took a bit more of a backseat after that. Mm -hmm. Like I still made records, but I never really toured. I never like music will always be a priority, but I it wasn't the it wasn't number one for me. It like. Mm It, it sort of really just focused more on the acting side of things after right. that. 
It was also a time in the entertainment industry, specifically in music, and maybe you, you evaded a little bit of this just because you weren't under the spotlight like Christina or Britney was. Sure. But, you know, it was a very hard time for women. I mean, oh, you God, look at, yeah. like, what Britney's been through, and you go back and look at some of those interviews that she had to endure. Um, you know, it, the, the industry was very, very harsh oh, on, yeah. on women specifically. Oh, yeah. And young girls. Oh, yeah. Um, did you feel any of that or feel any of that pressure? I didn't. I, I think I managed to escape it because I was younger. Mm-hmm. And, um, but... I never had anyone pushing me in any direction. I was like a, you know, dorky 16-year-old who was like awkward and still growing into my body. I didn't know how to be like sexual, you know what I mean, or present myself like that to the world. So they let me dress the way I wanted to and answer questions the way I wanted to. And so I think in that sense, I really did evade a lot of that, the same kind of scrutiny and... um, you know, behavior from like the press and stuff that those girls had to endure. Yeah. That was just we. I look back at that stuff now, and it there's it would not fly for yeah. a single second. Now it's really upsetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's intense. Are are you close with people that you knew at that time of your life? Not too many people. Yeah. No, yeah. no. It's hard. You know, it was like I. I think I left school at an age where like you are sort of forming those forever bonds Mm -hmm. with people Mm -hmm. and I remember I went back to like a high school homecoming dance one year you did and it was not well received people were pretty icy to me not my friends Mm. but like other people there were sort of like gave me the cold shoulder like you think you belong here you think you can just like waltz back in and this was like a year after I left interesting so it kind of sent the signal to me, like, mm. okay, I think I, I think I have to like table trying to be a, a part of this like high right. school experience in Orlando and just go live my life and make it's, new friends. Yeah. Now for a quick break, but don't go away. When we come back, Mandy tells me how her parents' divorce led to her first marriage, and how Instagram played a vital role in her love story with Taylor Goldsmith. Okay, be right back. This episode of Dinners on Me is brought to you by BetterHelp. Okay, so listen, I was in my kitchen the other day, and I'm I'm very particular about how I like things in the kitchen. I need things to be in a specific place. I like things to stay clean. So imagine my frustration when I saw that my husband, Justin, had left an empty can of cold brew and a wrapper from Protein Bar on the counter right next to the recycling bin. Why couldn't he just open the drawer with the with the recycling bin in it and put it in there? This is something I need to get off my chest. Therapy is a very safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I mean, I've learned a lot from therapy and I have learned that, you know, I need to pick my battles. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com dinners today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot dinners. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. 
Then I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. And we're back with more Dinners on Me. <gasps> what do we have? Okay, yeah, come in. Come in, come in. <gasps> What are we looking oh, yeah. at? Oh Just my. <laughs> okay. I know that's trout, right? God, that looks good. So, this is a carrot salad. Um, it's a plan like a carrot repay, which is like okay. a super French dish, but we made it like Thai. Mm. Um, so it's got some like kind of surprises in there. And uh, this is brand new. It just went on the menu this week. It's a uh, confit duck leg with a yu choy couscous. And then there's a yogurt sauce in the bottom of that. And then the black stuff that's on there is a macadamia nut duka. Black like stuff. Egyptian spice, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm loving no duka. I always I like add in some Middle Eastern to the like the vibe here. And then this is the trout. This is definitely the number one thing on the menu right now. Um, so it's a butterfly piece of trout. The tie-dye sauce, I'm like super into tie-dye. People make fun of me, but I don't care. Wow. And then on the bottom is a corn rice that we cook um, in corn juice. So wow. when you cook it, it gets all caramelized and crispy. And then the sauces are pill-pill, and we split it with the green sauces called, um, we call it nira puree, which is like a, a garlic chive puree. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so excited. Oh, yeah. Dig okay. in. Oh, wow. Mmm, that carrot salad is special. It's not so great. Wow. This is the perfect way to do this, too. Just like a little bite of everything. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I gotta come back with my husband. Yeah. He's gonna yeah. be. Come back with us, we'll do a double date. Oh, oh my God. I would truly love that. <laughs> Please. Um, I'm also fascinated with this point in your career where and also, first I want to say, um, I don't want to talk about your ex-husband, but like, I, I do want to talk about that time, that sure. period of time oh, when totally. you weren't creating because you were in a relationship that was not supportive yeah. of that. And totally. for someone who had been so creative, yeah. will you explain to me kind of what that time felt like for you when you didn't feel like you were in a place to... I think... I I found myself in a relationship and getting married at a time when my parents You got married at 23, right? Tw 24. 24, yeah, yeah. That's Almost young. 25, very young. But I think it was like a direct response to my own parents splitting up and they had been together, you know, obviously since they were like 16 or oh, something. Wow. And I was um so heartbroken and I I believe that I found myself in a relationship with somebody that I was like, oh, I can I can make a family with this person for this person. And it just was obviously not the right situation by any means. But um, I also think it happened at a time where I was like, I am ready to power everything down. I've been doing this since I was a kid and this seems like a perfectly appropriate time to get married and focus on like this very personal, quiet chapter in my life and, um, Ultimately, like, it just left me in a really hollow, empty, isolated 
place. Well, that, I think, you know, switching yeah. gears and like focusing on yourself or a family and kind of taking a step back is a beautiful thing yeah. if that place that you're stepping into is a warm, comfortable place. Yeah. If it's not, it's going to feel Sure. Weird. Like, what am I doing here? Why am I yeah. stepping away from light to be in this kind of place that doesn't feel <laughs> right? Totally. And I think for a while I worked really hard to, like, make it feel comfortable, make it feel like it was the right fit. Um, and ultimately it just was, it just wasn't, yeah. you know, for, for a million different reasons. But um, it's so weird because I think back to that chapter and it, it almost feels like it, it was someone else entirely that mm. it happened to because I'm in such a different place in my life and I'm married and I have children and, mm. and it's almost like, how, how did I ever do that? Yeah. How did I ever find myself in that place where I allowed myself to be treated that way, that I viewed myself that way? I mean, just to what we were talking about before, it, the feeling of belittling yourself or making yourself as small as possible to make others around you feel as comfortable as possible was something that started obviously at a young age for me and continued through that very unhealthy relationship that I was in. And I, that's what I think back to and, and think like, that is just, that's an entirely different person I don't recognize. I don't relate to it all. Like I, yeah, I, I can't, like I, I can't even put myself in those shoes again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Strange. I'm, yeah. I'm so grateful for that experience. I'm grateful for all it taught me and where it brought me. And um, ultimately it led me to finding, you know, this incredible partner. Yeah. Um, when you're, you said your parents got divorced and that sort of broke your heart. Mm -hmm. I also come from divorced parents and Ugh. I don't know how you feel about this, but like I have this great desire to the point where like I sometimes get moved to tears about it, but like I really have a great desire to like succeed at my marriage. Mm -hmm. And I, I love both my parents and um, you know they, they were not great together. And so I understand that they needed to go their separate ways. Sure. But I, there is something about seeing how hard it was on them because even though they're in a better place now, you know, they, it was very hard for them to, to go through that, that oh, divorce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I remember thinking that, too. I was like, I, uh, my parents got divorced after being married for 30 years. So when I got yeah, married, it wasn't... a long time. Yeah, a long time. But me, when I got married, it was not something I took lightly. Like, I went into it fully aware and was like, this is my forever person. This is our forever life. And I worked really hard to make it work. And I remember... When things would get really tough, I was like, wow, this is just, this is a lot. This feels like more than I bargained for, but this is what marriage is. Like you, you ride out these harrowing times in order to find the joy on the other side. And like, it's just the roller coaster of life, the ebb and flow. And, um, and then ultimately you <laughs> got to a point where I was like, it's not supposed to be this hard. Yeah. It's not supposed to feel this bad. Yeah. The person's not supposed to treat you like this. So I'm glad that I found the strength to like, to move on. And, and because I don't know where I would be if I had stayed in that relationship. Was it hard for you to trust getting into another relationship no. after that? No. Oh, I love that. No, not at all. I did not. I knew that this was singular to this person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like paint all men with like a broad brush of like everybody's out to like, right. no. I, I was like, that's just that person's issues. And I met my husband while I was in the middle of getting a divorce. And I just remember thinking like, oh, this poor guy, like this poor sweet guy. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready for this, yeah. I, but I knew he was such a catch and he was so wonderful. And the fact that he withstood what he did because 
that other side of my life was not easy and that person made it as trying and challenging yeah. and awful as they possibly could. And I knew that I had I was in the right relationship because my husband Taylor was so he was just not bothered by it at all. It, like it, he just let everything sort of roll off his back. And I was like, oh, if he can weather this, like I think we're probably going to be okay. Yeah. We're probably going to make it. And this is probably the person I should have been with all along. And yeah, yeah. Where did you two meet? <laughs> we met because of Instagram, not on Instagram. Okay. It was like pre-DM <laughs> days, so it's not like we slid into each other's DMs. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. he's a musician, and yes. I heard a song of his on the radio. I was listening to the radio and I went um, on the radio station's website because I didn't hear, like they didn't back announce who the band was. And I like went on the website trying to figure out like, okay, it was after this song, but before this song, I figured out who it was and I went on iTunes and saw they had a new album coming out. And I took, you know, that, that like, Polaroid Instagram like 2015 days mm -hmm. of like put up like a <laughs> snapshot of his like album that was coming out like can't wait this is going to be the soundtrack of my summer something really innocuous yeah. and we had a mutual friend who alerted him like hey did you see that because I didn't tag them it was not those it was very early days yeah, yeah, yeah. of Instagram and I am um, which by the way when I first signed, joined up for Instagram I thought it was just a photo editing app I, mean, I was like literally editing photos and I didn't know that I was actually posting them for the for the <laughs> to see. Like there's like literally my first I want to go back and find pictures it. are like the same like flower <laughs> with arrangement different with different filters. I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. Oh, sweet so, Jesse. So I, I was the same. I was like a late adopter and I didn't know what I was doing. Everything had that same yeah. filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he like found a way to re like send me a little note to say like thank you for for talking about our album or whatever and we started corresponding that way and then we took it to text and then we went out and had like a an epic three hour meal and that was it yeah yeah wow it's almost like the universe did sort of reward you for yes, yes. acknowledging that you were in a healthy relationship because yeah. so many great things happened. Right when after you, that. When, when you got out of that, It which was is... wild. I was like, oh, this is, like, as soon as I extricated myself from that marriage, I, like, I met Taylor shortly thereafter, and then by the end of that year, I got this audition for This Is Us, and so by the time, you know, the end and of created 20... music and for I, the first time. I was time. starting to create music again, and I was with a partner who was like, we should make music together, and I'm yeah. like, I've been down this road before, and I've been, you know, all of these empty promises, and we've written stuff, and it never came to fruition, and I'm like, I'm not going to put my... I was so like gun shy to put myself in that position again. I'm like, I, maybe those things are not Which supposed to- Which is a terrible to... place to create from. Yeah. You know, no one wants to create from a place where they feel scared I to had create. so much baggage and to be with a partner who truly was able to see through that yeah. and say like, yeah, yeah, but that, 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 that's not what we're doing here. What um, did it feel like to actually create and then be successful and have, um, you know- Like something to show something for Something to show it? for, yeah. I, it's the, like, it's the greatest gift. Like I could get emotional thinking before. about it. Yeah. Been, did, did you kind of forget what that felt like? I forgot what it found like to stand on my own two feet and go like, oh, I I know how to do this. I don't need someone, sort of like. I don't need to ride their coattails. So happy that oh, we thank found you. each other. Yeah. Me too. He's. Did, you'll love him. He's I'm, the best. I'm excited to meet him. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to have kids? Yes. How old are your kids? They're, we're kind of on the same like trajectory here. We're um, three and a half and 
14, 15 months or something. What? Yeah. Yeah. Our yeah. guy's 15 months and mm -hmm. almost three. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Boy, girl. Two boys. Two boys, Same. too? Same. Holy yeah. cow. We got to get those kids together. I know, That's crazy. I, know. I love it. I love it so much. <sighs> Me, too. It's um, everything. And then you started touring, but then you, you stopped that again when you were pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. Oh, That's <gasps> beautiful. Oh, my goodness. What are we looking at? Okay, so um, banana bar. This is a banana with, bar. With uh, peanut butter crisp on the bottom of it. Oh. Banana custard and a milk chocolate mousse. And then this is the lemon chamomile dessert mm. uh, with calamansi and there's a sweet fritter on top. It's like a, like break into it and get into like crunchy texture. Very oh, like nice. light and bright. Holy cow. This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Yeah, Good gracious. Um, yeah, I had to cancel the tour um, when I was pregnant with Ozzy because I just thought, oh, I worked till like two weeks before I gave birth to Gus and I thought, oh, this will be the same thing. I can go on the road. It's not, I've had easy pregnancies. And, mm. and then I really uh, underestimated like, A, the lack of sleep that I would get on a tour bus. It was, sure. I just like could not sleep. And, um, and also traveling with a 15 month old yeah. like it was I'm like what this is so it's kind of like what were you thinking yeah what was yeah. I thinking but you know it was such a fun experience we did like half the tour it was great we had so much fun but I can't wait to figure out a way to get back out there at some point yeah when you were touring before the pandemic, was that the first time you had actually toured since? We you didn't were, get to tour. You didn't tour at all. Literally, like it, okay. our tour was starting like March twentieth or got something. It. Okay, so. so then the tour when when you were pregnant was yeah. that the first time you had toured since you were? In, in yeah, since I was like sixteen or seventeen, like it so Whoa. long. First time I had made like the that the record that came out in twenty twenty, I hadn't had an album out. Since like two thousand and yeah. uh, nine, yeah, yeah, it was a long time. Yeah, so it was a real, full, real, real full circle moment of like, whoa. What was that like to be around your fans again in that, in that sort of capacity? I, I loved it. I, I think it was strange because I feel like some of the audience were people from the past or new songs from the past mm -hmm. and then other people are like, oh, the woman from This Is Us is coming. Mm -hmm. Like, so it was a strange mix of people mm -hmm. that wanted me to sing like songs from Tangled and then <laughs> other people that, wanted me to talk about This Is Us. It Why was would we even talk about this yeah. Disney career that you've also oh. had? Like, that's also a huge thing. It just, it was, it was funny in that sense. I'm like, oh, okay, noted. I'll have to, like, sort of chat, or people that wanted, like, the songs from A Walk to Remember. Like, right. it was, it was interesting to go, like, do you feel okay. responsibility to... Now I do. I was like, okay, I want, like, everyone to leave yeah. a little satisfied. So I, I binged all of Dr. Death. Oh my God, no. <laughs> First of all, it's really good. It's very well done. Um, and I love true crime. I love true crime too. Do you too. like true crime? Yeah. That banana peanut butter thing Isn't is, great? like just checks every box yeah, for me. Yeah, it's so good. Mm. It's so good. With Dr. Death, did you listen to the podcast it was based on? I did. Okay. I was like, this story cannot be true. Yeah, it just it's was, a wild ride. It's a wild ride. Yeah. I'm so interested in like the, like, pathology of people and mm -hmm. like clearly this man is a sociopath yeah. and to be able to like disassociate and be th like that much of a narcissist and just the ego yeah. and feeling that you're going to get away with this on like a professional and a personal level yeah. is so ugh, I can't wrap my brain around it and your character Benita yeah she 
falls in love with this guy. She's basically sleeps with her source. Yeah. She's doing a story about this doctor. Yeah. Falls in love with him. Uh, becomes engaged to him. Mm-hmm. Introduces him to her child. Yeah. And and it is one of those. It, I, I've listened to so many of these true crime stories, and like you always think, how could they have gotten themselves into this position? Yeah. Listening to it, it all seems like all the red flags are there. Yeah. Um, but when you're but when you're a part of it when you're a part of it and also I just think when when someone is a master manipulator yeah. it is like they are just so lethal in the way that they're able to target people and target their vulnerabilities and this woman was an investigative is a, is was an investigative journalist like it's what she does to suss out people and do background checks and so anything that would yeah raise some sort of alarm yeah. or red flag or something was she just she missed it because i think she was so romanticized and suckered into this like charming, charming man who did the same with his patients, quite frankly. Right. It's like how he was able to be become this successful surgeon and have people sign up for these like, you know, this wild innovative surgery where he's mm-hmm. like replacing their windpipes with plastic tracheas that he grew. Yes. I mean, it's, so it's not, it's not too far-fetched to believe that like, and it, they slowly plant these seeds over time, right? Like over the course of a couple years, they're not out of the gate saying, we're going to get married and the Pope is going to officiate our wedding. Like Mm -hmm. on the surface, for sure, that is just too much to believe. But over time, when somebody feeds you the lies of, you know, I'm, I'm part of some secret society of surgeons that performs on like presidents and diplomats and the way he lives and he's got 50 different phones and he's working in Russia and the UK and he's all around the world like he seems so international and I think she was able to really buy into the whole story that he was selling but I find that stuff so interesting so interesting yeah it's on Peacock it's Oh, you're sweet. It's very 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 good (laughs) Um, and it's also so different than anything you've done which you know I yeah. think it's hard, I know personally, like finding variety in this sure. business, especially yeah. when you've done something that people sort of see you as and they think, okay, that's the thing you do. Yeah. So all I can say is I'm very impressed with Thanks. the fact that you keep sort of breaking the mold and, and reinventing yourself. And that's that's something that I that think is very lot. hard to do. Well, thank you. I, I don't know if it's like really intentional. I Sorry that I keep like deferring to you, but... I know that you can relate, like, as an actor or creative person, it's like, all you want is to try different things and to challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. So, like, it just kind of naturally unfolds that way. And sure, I'm sure you are forever going to be offered, like, the fun Mitch roles, like, in life. But, and, and maybe it is harder for people to see you outside of that box. So that's why it's fun to, like, fight for the things that, that aren't necessarily obvious to everybody. But yeah, I, I love that. I love like just trying different things and and yeah, trying to do something unexpected just to keep myself interested yeah. too. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. I just admire you very much and I'm oh, likewise. thrilled to finally meet you. Likewise. Oh my gosh, I'm so touched. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Next time on Dinners on Me, you know him from Breaking Bad, Malcolm in the Middle, and most recently, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, it's Brian Cranston. We'll get into the time he was almost arrested for murder. You heard me right. Why getting dumped and getting fired are both essentials for success, and a loophole he unintentionally discovered for making some extra royalties on Malcolm in the Middle. 
And if you don't want to wait until next week to listen, you can download that episode right now by subscribing to Dinners on Me Plus. As a subscriber, not only do you get access to new episodes one week early, you'll also be able to listen completely ad-free. Just click Try Free at the top of the Dinners on Me show page on Apple Podcasts to start your free trial today. Dinners on Me is a production of Sony Music Entertainment and A Kid Named Beckett Productions. It's hosted by me, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. It's executive produced by me and Jonathan Hirsch. Our showrunner is Joanna Clay. Sam Baer engineered this episode. Hans Dale Shee composed our theme music. Our head of production is Sammy Allison. Special thanks to Tamika Balance Kolasny and Justin Makita. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Join me next week. <laughs>